Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. I am Steve Kenyon, and it is nice of you to join us on this first week of November. We're only about a month away from the kickoff of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Canadian Finals Rodeo underway as this week is going on. The Crown Champions in Canada on Sunday. I want to say thank you to our sponsors and partners that are helping you to bring, uh, helping to bring you the Steve Kenyon Podcast. M2 Ranch Jerky. They are our newest sponsor coming out 2024 you'll be able to choose from beef buffalo elk and venison this is jerky that is made the old-fashioned way less sugar more meat more flavor m2 ranch jerky true traditional cowboy jerky thank you to unbeatable feeds what are you doing in december when you go to the national finals rodeo you're going to drop by cowboy christmas at some point when you do come by the unbeatable feeds booth i'll be there interviewing some of the best talent in pro rodeo people like haven medjid and caleb driggers who are Folks at Feed, Unbeatable Feeds. Uh, the Cowboy Christmas booth of Unbeatable Feeds is right by Prefert, just off the red carpet, kitty corner from the big Wrangler booth. Hope you'll come by and say hi. And thanks to the Grandview at Las Vegas, the place we stay during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Been that way for more than a decade. Big, comfortable rooms right across from the South Point. Check them out at Daily Management Resorts. Com. Our top three stories today on the Steve Kenyon podcast. You've heard this by now. The Cowboy Channel's reported it. Kendra Santos on her podcast reporting that Casey Field has announced he is retiring. The world champion bareback rider, been to the national finals 13 times, won six world titles, won the American three times, $3.4 million, more go-round wins at the NFR, more money than any bareback rider in her uh, history. Won't be long before Casey Field joins his dad, the legendary Louis Field, in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Some tough news posted on social media this week by barrel racer Tacey Matthews, who qualifies for her first national finals rodeo in the number four spot in the WPRA's world standing. She wrote, I don't really want to make this post, but I feel like I should. Always trust God in the good times and the bads, uh, the bad times. Tacey's horse, Pop Rocks, the horse of the year this year in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association. Pop Rocks has suffered a hawk injury, and her 2023 season is over. So Tacey will be going to her first national finals rodeo without the horse that helped her win a college title back in June and helped her qualify for the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. And her family, there are a lot of great horses. Trust me, she will be well-mounted at the National Finals Rodeo. Caleb Smith, a big weekend, uh, the final weekend of October. 31,000-plus on the final Saturday of the month of October at the big roping fiesta in San Angelo, Texas. He won the PRCA-sanctioned event, winning the first go-round and the three-head average. That was worth over 11000 That money counts in the world standings. And then he won a 12-head match with Ty Harris, to win another $20,000 total, as I said, over $31,000. I asked Caleb about 15 calves in one day. Here's what he said. Yeah, I don't know if you want to call it tune-up because I couldn't get out of bed the next morning, but it was uh, it was good to be able to rope and just run a bunch of calves. And some, I mean, I made some really good runs. Some runs didn't feel so good, but got to rope a bunch and win a lot of money, so it's better than practicing at home, I guess. A 12-head match either before or after. I forget the order of all this. You rope three um, during the, the, the actual sanction part of it. That's 15 head of cattle. I, I understand why you say you couldn't get out of bed in the morning the next day. 
Yeah, and I talked to Jeff Yates. He said the match Cavs averaged 290, so they weren't little. Wow. How'd you handle horses for all that? Uh, well, Poggins probably hates me, but I ran uh, I ran all three of them on him in the rope, and then I ran the first six on him in the match. I ran nine head on him. And then I had a horse of Brian Leathers, a, bay, a brown mare that I rode a little bit last summer and uh or this past summer i ran four terrible calves on her the first four in the second half of the match just hauled butt strong probably the worst ones in our match and she uh she can really run and tries really hard so i rode her on those four and then i had her where she was really wanting to run off or not run off but just run and get one and i got off of her because my last two calves in the match were super good, not going to run a whole lot. So I got on Lane Livingston's horse, Earl, and because I rode him a bunch this summer, and I ran the last two on him just because that mare was really on go. And she was – I just kind of had her where she was – she was really on go, wanting to run. So I didn't want to break the barrier or not be able to get her. She was just wanting to catch up, and I didn't – feel comfortable riding her on them too slow ones. So I rode Lane's horse and finished it off. Caleb Smith, the four-time and reigning world champion. A couple of things about the money Caleb won in San Angelo. That 11000 from the uh, PRCA-sanctioned part of the Ropen on Saturday, that counts in the world standings, obviously. Last year, Caleb Smith got off to a slow start. He only had $19,000 won going into the Reno Rodeo in June. So he's already more than halfway to that after San Angelo last Saturday. Smith's got $133,000 won this year. He's seventh in the world standings. Of course, Riley Webb set a record. He's in the number one spot, more than $280,000 for the year. He's got three world champions right behind him. Shad Mayfield, number two, Haven Medjid, number three, and Shane Hansheep in the number four spot. Caleb Smith in San Angelo. He told me he has had a real good history at the San Angelo Roping Fiesta. I've done really good. I think I've won that rope in three times. I think I've won second two or three times, and I think I've won third or fourth a handful of times. Uh, I've done really good there. Tight end roper Caleb Smith, four-time and reigning world champion, headed to his 10th Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Today's episode of the Steve Kenyon Podcast is being presented by Prefert, number one in ranch and rodeo. And a big thank you to Resistall. We wear it every day. We're coming back, and our guest today, Josh Frost, headed into the Wrangler NFR in the number three spot in the PRCA. The bull riding world standings, of course, the four-time Linderman Award winner. That's coming up. You're listening to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. Hey y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness is... Hi, everybody. This is Steve Kenyon. Thanks for all of your support of our 8 Seconds Media radio shows, the new Steve Kenyon podcast, and our social media sites. Now you can wear 8 Seconds Media wherever you go. Just visit the 8 Seconds Media store, ball caps and some fun colors, T-shirts in all sizes for men and women, and with fall coming, we've got some warm hoodies waiting for you. Just click on the shop link at 8SecondsMedia.com. 
Style or legendary, they're an iconic symbol of the West, and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And if I'm gonna enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live cowboys. New styles join our time-tested Justin Bent Rail collection. Like the rugged men and women who wear them, these boots stand for quality, integrity, tradition, and hard work. Straight from our legendary El Paso factory, our expert bootmakers build these boots with features that would make even the earliest cowboys proud. Outfit yourself today with a Bent Rail collection by Justin. There's no pretending to being a cowboy. Either you are or you aren't. Which is why everything we do as a company improves or preserves this way of life. The romance, the honesty, the toughness, the craft. More cowboys, please. America could use them. Resist all. We live it every day. And here's record on the video. Welcome to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. I am Steve Kenyon, and I uh, got a great opportunity, and I want to say thank you right up front to a young man who I think as this conversation comes together, you're going to find out not only is a really good bull rider, not only is a really good all-around cowboy, but it's a pretty busy fella. Uh, that's Josh Frost from Utah who joins us headed to the National Finals Rodeo, third in the bull riding world standings. Josh, welcome, and thank you for your time. You bet. Glad to be here, Steve. So let's talk about that a little bit. You are, you're in the bull riding business. You're in the timed event business. You're in the Linderman award-winning business. Your wife's a breakaway roper and you're in the cow business. You spent all day today working cows and uh, cut some time out for me. You, you don't have a lot of free time in your life, do you? No, uh, between, between going to the rodeos and you know, the days I'm home, we got, I got a list of things to get to work and stay caught up on we run the family runs a bunch of cattle i own 50 head and they kind of take care of them when i'm gone so when i get home i gotta dang sure be sure to chip in and that was today we were at the cell barn all day my my dad's a superior livestock rep so he Mm. gives me the dates when he really needs help shipping on the big days. so we've been we've been loading trucks all day long so yeah i called you i guess i reached out to you last week on like tuesday or wednesday you said yeah we're we're shipping cows today can we move it back and um, is that a weekly thing for you? Uh, I would say in October and November, it's a weekly, probably not an everyday deal, but said my, my dad ships calves about every day from the middle of September to the end of November. And so he's, like I said, a lot of the days he goes and can just do it by himself, but there's 10, 15 days that are pretty big that he kind of tries to line out some help. And so he gives me the dates in October, November when he really needs my help. And so I make sure to schedule it in and, be able to get there and help him out josh i remember talking to court shear the saddle bronc rider and he was he was telling me about you know every time he won money he went out and bought a few cows he was trying to get himself set for life after rodeo are you kind of in that same spot i'm being really nosy you thought we were actually going to talk about bull riding in this interview um are, how how are you handling this is it, it sounds to me like you're already more than a little bit establishing what you're going to do with your with your time and with your life someday when you're not rodeoing anymore oh yeah i like been trying to you know invest the invest the rodeo income to things that will make me money when i get done riding bulls and uh, cows is a great great place to start it's family business something i understand and 
have kind of reached the point where I can't probably don't want to buy any more cows because it's getting to the point that it's at 50 head. It fits in pretty good with Joe and my dad letting them help me, but you start getting a hundred, 150 head all of a sudden it, it, it puts, puts a lot on them when you're gone three quarters of the year out riding bulls. And so we said, got it, got a good ba- base back up income right now with the cows and something to fall back on if I get hurt and kind of slowly building that. And, uh, these next couple of years and i started last year but now starting to try to buy some land and be able to be set up to grow grow the cows and stuff once i get done riding bulls yeah um did you i want to say just looking at your agenda over the last year you maybe got on about as many bulls as you've gotten on in your career between the PRCA and rodeos and the team series and the PBR and other PBR events. Am I right? Or am I way off in saying that? <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're right on. I said, I probably got, I would dare, I get, can confidently say, I think I've been on more bulls than anybody this year. Hmm. Um, between the, between the PBR and the PRCA, I've been uh, this I really noticed that this winter, my goal this winter was to really slow down, only go to the big winter rodeos, prioritize my health a little more. And How'd that so work I out for the you, big Josh? Winter rodeos. Well, I mean, I stayed healthy, and I thought I wasn't getting on very many bulls. And then I think it was the the middle of March, I looked at my stats, and I was like, holy cow, I think I've been on like 95 bulls already this year. Yeah. And it was only March. But, you know, I'd only been to six PRCA rodeos, but between Houston, San Antonio, Fort Worth, those tournament-style rodeos, you're getting on anywhere from – five to eight rodeos at those events and so between them and each of those events has a big extreme bulls and then i'd fit a velocity in where on the weekends that i didn't have anything else and um you know, worked out pretty good on the bank account but dang sure was when i looked at it, i was like man i've actually i thought i was taking it easy but i've been getting on a lot of bulls yeah in the last two years you've won over eight hundred thousand dollars well actually probably over a million now because you won two hundred thirty six thousand this year You've won over, I think it's 400000 according to your bio on PBR.com, and I'm assuming that's reasonably current. Um, so working back and forth in the two associations, how's that been for you? Uh, you've had a lot of luck at the PBR. You've won some big things there as well. It's It's been really good. It's, uh, it's, it's dang sure a challenge being able to switch back and forth between the two of them because um, – it like I said a lot a lot of scheduling the PBR makes it makes it a little harder on a guy because they really you know they want to have the best guys every weekend so they don't like it they don't like you to go to three of their big events and say hey I'm going to go to Houston short round this weekend instead of your UTB and so right. I've really had to balance and read be sure to read the rule book so that I'm able to hit both associations and they they moved the PBR finals to May and um lat in 2022 so. It, when they moved it to May, I was like, Hey, this kind of, there's not a lot going on in May. If I can figure out how to qualify for these PBR finals, get the chance to go ride for 35,000 a night. Yeah. Um, seemed like a pretty, pretty good income opportunity. And so it's being, and it's, you know, I would, I'm the only guy that's really doing it right now. There's, you know, there's been years in the past where there's been guys that have made both made both finals, but since they moved the finals to May, I'm the only guy really trying to do it. So there really isn't a blueprint on the best way to do it. So I've had to play with it a little bit and learning how to balance, balance it and prioritize while still, you know, I do ride bulls to make a living is the main reason I do both, but also too, I have big goals of being a world champion in the PRCA and um, 
trying to learn how to balance that and not sacrifice one of my lifelong goals to make a little extra money is dang sure been the challenge and yeah mentally i always love getting humbles but sometimes when you're getting on that many the the wear and tear catches up to the body a little bit and i seen it a little bit this year and during the summer run i was you know i got knocked i got no i got knocked out more times this year than i ever have in my life and i kind of backed myself into a corner between doing the team deals and trying to go to the big winter rodeos i didn't probably didn't allow myself to take the time off that i needed to and you know the last two years i've been riding there at that 65 70 percent range and this summer i was probably more on the 50 55 which is still good good from a bull riding standpoint but not the standard that I know I can ride at when I'm 100% healthy. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing. And you you were the second draft pick of the Carolina Cowboys in the PBR team series. Sage Kimsey was the first pick. They had back-to-back uh, number one and number two picks. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the teams, and then we'll get into talking about the NFR a little bit. Um, one thing that I've always been concerned about with the team series, and I asked Ty Murray about this the other day, and he kind of set me straight. He said, you know, guys ride bulls for a living. you got to go get on bulls. Yeah, that's real simple. The thing I always worried about was that condensed season to get to the finals, and then right after that, you've got the team series. PBR bull riders used to have a little bit of time off. And I think Ty's right in what he said. You know, if you ride bulls for a living, you got to go get on bulls. But... Um, I was worried about not allowing you guys maybe the time that the fellows in the PBR might have to take that little bit of a break and get their bodies healed back up. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it this last year in the PBR, just with them going from the first year doing the teams. The first year wasn't quite as bad because they just condensed the UTB. You know, the I think it went strictly January from January to May. Yeah. Well, then they did the teams that fall. Well, the 2023 season, they started the UTBs in November. So it went from those guys having borderline three PBR finals would be the first month of November. They'd have a good two months off rolling into Madison Square Garden January 1st. Whereas this year they had two weeks off after the team finals and they rolled right back into the UTBs. And you've seen a lot more injuries popping up this last year and um, for the PBR guys. And, you know, that's the one thing with the PBR is you are getting on the the bulls are the same in the prca and the pbr for the most part but rodeo and you know you're you draw some nice 20 pointers whereas at the pbr you're you're getting on 21 21 and a half pointers every time they've got the the ground is harder at the pbrs and so you've seen i feel like you've seen a lot more injuries this year in the pbr than you have in the past and um it's said it's dang sure a balancing game between you know and then I wouldn't say I have a lot of sympathy for the guys because I know how many bulls I get on, yeah. but I, I agree with Ty too. If you, if, I've always looked at it. I can be sitting at the house or I can be out there riding a bull, making a living and riding bulls is my job. And you only got a, you're as a bull rider. You probably got a 15 year window as a professional. And so I'm, I try to capitalize on as many days as possible to be out there competing, winning money. Josh, what was the, the team series like for you in particular because the Carolina Cowboys, Jerome Davis is the coach. He's a legend. Robson Palermo came on this year as the assistant coach, right? Um, what Having that opportunity to have actual coaches, um, I'm not sure in rodeo, are your coaches your traveling partners, the guys you're looking at videos with going down the road that, you know – what, t- talk about that opportunity for you, and, and did it help you? Did it make you a better bull rider? 
Oh yeah, that was that was honestly one of the biggest reason I, reasons I wanted to do the teams this year was I didn't I didn't opt in last year because I felt like it was gonna take away from my world championship goals. But then this year I was like, you know, I think this is to have the opportunity to have a coach, be around a group of guys that you know you pull together as traveling partners and help each other and want each other to win. But also too, when you're with your traveling partners, you want to win first and you hope they win second and third. Yeah. Whereas that's what's cool about the team dynamic is I hope Sage is more, I hope all the guys, I hope I'm 90 points and I hope they're all 90 plus because every time they do good, it helps me do good. And so it was, and then having the access to Jerome, who's a legend. And then they, they brought in Robson halfway through the year. And so it was um, really cool getting the opportunity to, you know, all the Brazilians are great bull riders and, but they also, they ride bulls a little different than the way that a lot of the, us Americans have been taught. And so it's been fun picking Robson's brain and adding some of the tools of some of the Brazilian style tools into my arsenal to help me ride bulls. Jerome, I mean, talk about a guy who's been through everything, all the highs, a world champion, all the lows, getting put in a wheelchair. Um, in addition to learning how to ride bulls, there must be some life lessons that can come from that man, too. Oh yeah, you want to talk about just the best attitude, the grittiest, toughest. Him, him, and Tiffany are two of the most amazing people. I and I, I'd never even. I don't think I'd ever even got to meet Jerome Davis until they literally on draft day they drafted me, and I talked to him on the phone once or twice. But you want to talk about it? A new hero that I have that I never had before, but just because I, you know, I knew heard of him, knew who he was, but never been around him. And you want to talk about just, just tough and good at you know the stuff that being in a wheelchair and just still gets out there and works harder than most people I know and loves bull riding, you know, to get hurt in a bull riding accident, to be paralyzed and still pour all his life into the sport, raising bucking bulls. Now he's coaching guys. And, um, and like I said, just a wealth of knowledge of bull riding and it's great family. And I'm super blessed to get the opportunity to be around him. I've, I've met, I've had a chance to get to know Jerome a little bit, and it's been years since I've talked to him. Um, I met Tiffany a couple of times when I was doing radio at the PBR finals. Tiffany Davis strikes me as a very knowledgeable bull raiser and kind of a spark plug of a human being. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't let a she she's she's a she's a fireball, I think, isn't she? Oh, I I mean, I don't know if she'd like me saying this, but there's there's dang sure one or two times I I think she was sitting over there in the corner watching the team deal and was throwing her chair across the grandstands <laughs> a little bit. She, she's, I don't know if I, you could call her the team mom, but she dang sure she's took all of us under her wing and make, make sure that, <clears throat> make sure, you know, <laughs> I, it would be a dang sure a handful being in charge of seven adult bull riders, but yeah. she, she keeps us all in line. And like I said, I, it's been it was been a lot of fun being with them and that she dang sure is a spark plug but i think you'd have to be to put up with a bunch of bull riders and your own so i you know i hadn't even thought about that to put a to to, to have a family of seven adult bull riders yeah i can see where that would be a little bit of a uh, of an interesting experience in life and not say you know some of us are slightly more responsible than others yeah. i i know i wouldn't want to be the job of being boudreaux campbell's adult mom but she, <laughs> she's got a good job <laughs> i understand good job with boudreaux dalen 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those kids are, they're great bull riders and they're great young men, but they do, they do have a streak to them. I know. Um, let me ask you about the national finals rodeo. It starts on December the 7th. Uh, the wilderness circuit finals are this weekend. You are sitting, I think second or third in the wilderness circuit. Um, what happens with you and your life, Josh, between now and, and December the 7th when the national final starts? Uh, training hard. It's, uh, we said that this year kind of threw a mix into it with the first year doing the PBR teams. Usually, you know, September 30th rolls. We're wore out. I'm a little bit wore out, exhausted. And me and the wife, the last two years I went to, the first year was our honeymoon. Then last year we went again for our anniversary, but the last two years, first week in October, we went and spent a week in Hawaii. Well, this year we got done with Sioux Falls and I rolled into Fort Worth for the last team event and then had, um, 13 days off before the team finals. So I went to getting on practice bulls every day for 13 days straight. I, I think I was given our general manager and Jerome, they were all, I'd been a little banged up already. And they were, I think they were thinking that 13 days off was not getting on bulls would be good for me. But I, I do, you know, I had some technical errors I'd been making. And so I knew the only way to really fix them was to get back in the gym every day and go back to, forcing myself to figure it out by getting on practice bulls. So I'd already been on 14 practice bulls there right before the team finals rolled in there, rode pretty good and took four, four or five days off after the team finals. But we've been back to getting on practice bulls every day right now. And you know, we actually, we, me and my brother put on a bull riding school this weekend. And so we taught kids for three days and we fin finished the school off. I made a pretty good bull ride at the bull riding school. And, and then like I said, it's kind of rolling into the circuit finals here. We, me, me and my little brother rode some bulls tonight and, um, and then like I said, roll through these circuit finals. And I think after that, there's 30 days till the NFR and I'll be, be getting on a bull every single day for the next 30 days and be dialed in come Vegas time. Okay. This might be Steve's dumb question to the interview, but I'm going to ask it as a non bull rider. I have never fully understood the concept of a practice bull. And here's what I mean when I ask that, Josh, are you trying to get on the nice spinner that you can just get a good comfortable feel on or you're trying to get on something that's going to challenge you a little bit i mean you you probably don't want to get on something you'd get on in high school but you probably don't want to get on bushwhacker either so what are you looking for in a practice bull do you have a pen of them where you kind of have an idea what tell me about practice bulls what are you looking for <clears throat> I have a lot of, it's not just me randomly out there getting on bulls. There's a, I always practice with a purpose and um, big thing I always look at, you know, come in FR training is, you know, what did I struggle with during the regular season? What types of bulls bucked me off more than others? You know, I mean, there's always the times you get bucked off because of mental error, but there, there are um, statistically looking what type of bull was maybe a weakness in my technique. So I always try to figure out what that was and try to find practice bulls that'll challenge that. Hmm. That being said, I also very much practice from a, I kind of get on practice bulls. To, I actually learned this from Tyson Durfee. He was talking about his calf open practice and he said how when he's practicing, he's going at about 70%, 70% of his runs are at 60 to 70% speed where he's just slowing down and making sure everything's perfect. And then about 30% of the time he pushes himself. And so I kind of go about my practice bulls like that. You know, there's a lot of days I'm, I'll get on a lot of jump kickers and nice spinners, the ones that you can just really almost think while you're riding 
and just make sure those fundamentals are perfect and make sure you're leaving the shoot right. If there's little things to work on, them are the ones I work on and get the repetition on. And then once or twice a week, I've got some dang sure bulls you could be 86 plus on at a pro rodeo hmm. and all like kind of supplement those in to where and through the course of my training, you know, last year before the finals, I think I got bucked. The one I bought a new bull that was a little buckier, and I think he bucked me off twice early on in my practice. Went back to the easy bulls, worked on those fundamentals, and then, you know, week be- five days before I left for the finals, ran him in again and rode him really good, and just kind of pick up that intensity and help keep you sharp in preparation for the, you know, you hit the hit the NFR, you're getting on the best bulls in the world, and um, like I said, there's a lo- lot of strategy that's went into it. It's to figure out how to practice as good as you know practice the best way possible to get actually get better and so hmm. okay well that that explains it a lot better you know so a little bit of everything i guess to you know i i, yeah. I threw out the the scenario of the nice spinner as opposed to the eliminator and you you're you just basically said a little bit of everything yeah no i got that's when i get people that come down and get on bulls with me and I'm like, what do you want? I've, I've got anything from an eliminator pen to something we could, if, if you wanted to come get on a bull, Steve, I've got a bull that I think you could probably ride. <laughs> is he stuffed or what is he? I mean, you know, <laughs> if you want me to ride one, I mean, he better not move very far. That's all I'm going to tell you, Josh. Let me, let me ask you about, okay, let me ask you about preparation from this standpoint. 2019, you qualify for your first national finals rodeo. It did not go very well. Um, you, you, did not win any money at that NFR. 2020, you get hurt in Fort Worth. You don't make it to Globe Life Field. 2021, 2022, um, you come back and tear it up. I remember 2021, I think you came off your first two and then rode seven out of the next eight, won the average, won 360000 What did you different do differently getting ready for 2021's NFR from 2019's, or was there anything? little bit of it was the probably the mental part of being in Vegas. Um, I worked really hard in 19 getting ready. Uh, my brother had been five times. He'd always get on, you know, that's where I learned the right. 20, 30 bulls before the NFR. Um, Danny Flynn had taught Joe that he said, the only way to train for riding bulls is by riding bulls. And but so my brother, he'd, he'd get on jump kickers. That was all he rode before the finals. So there in 2019, I mean, I probably maybe got on too many bulls looking back. You heard me talk about earlier practicing with a purpose. Right. I didn't really practice with the pur- purpose in 19. I was just, I need to get on, I need to get on a bull every day, two bulls every day. And if I do that, I'm going to win. But it wasn't, I wasn't really working on the mental game so much. I was just getting on bulls. So my body was in shape. I worked hard. And like I said, I, I probably got on 45 head, nothing very rank, nothing that's maybe, you know, we had one or two that would turn back, but for the most part, just jump kickers and good timing bulls. And um, that was what throwed me off. This was also the first time in my life I'd ever really done that. I've always got on practice bulls, but that was the first time, you know, for, I think four, I did it 45 days straight in 2019. And it when I got to the finals, that first bull, I was riding him so he, it was a bull that had bucked me off twice earlier that year and just manhandled me. Well, I'm riding him and like, it's the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Hmm. And so the training did work, but I didn't, wasn't mentally prepared for the transition of how much it had changed my riding by practicing so perfect, dial it into those fundamentals. 
that it, you know, six and a half, seven seconds, it kind of caught me off guard that it was that easy. And like I said, that first bull bucked me off at 7.8 to win the round. I remember that. And then from there, mentally, I spiraled a little bit and, you know, eliminate with that. I think the eliminator pin, I had my bull fall. They had a really good, happy with my draw. He fell down and kind of one of the ones, if it goes bad in Vegas, it just keeps rolling. And we just spiraled and by the shoot by the eighth, ninth round. I don't know if I, which I did, I did make the whistle in the ninth round. I, my, but my bull ran off and jumped the clown barrel and yeah. got a re-ride. And then I took the re-ride, fell off the re-ride. And so part of it was mental learning how, like I got, I got to Vegas and was a little like, there, there's a lot of energy in the Thomas and Mac and I didn't harness it to help me ride better. It almost got me a little starstruck. You, you know, d- I dreamed about it, visualized it, but it just was, was just new, started bad and I never was able to turn it around, but all that hard work. I mean, I rolled into right after that. I went, went and stayed placed at the chase Hawks, rolled into Fort Worth, went around at Fort Worth, get my stomach stepped on. Took me a little bit coming back from that injury, but um, the biggest thing I did learn from that first year of training was the, the importance of maybe getting on some ranker bulls, which that's where everybody's different. My brother, he could get on those jump kickers and he rolled in there and they could run in the buck. And, you know, that first year he made it, he rode bulls that he couldn't even warm up prior to the jump kickers. But for me, I decided that next year in 21, when I made it, I went out and tried to find two or three of them ranker bulls. And so that, that was when I kind of implemented the, 70% of the time riding easy bulls, 30% of the time, you know, if I get on 20 jump kickers, I'm going to get on 10 bulls that if I don't do it right, are going to pile me up. Got it. Got it. You mentioned Joe a couple of times. You, you, your brother Joe, who unfortunately retired earlier than probably any of us wanted him to because of injury. Your younger brother, Jate, who is a very good bull rider. Um, your dad, Shane, worked every event, right? Didn't he pretty much do everything when he was competing? Yeah. Yes. Is, is that where yeah, you he would... didn't he didn't ride he, he didn't ride many saddle broncs but he uh, did everything else so is that where you and joe both got this all-around thing in in your life you you've won the linderman award every year since 2019 you'd have won it in 2020 if it wasn't for the coronavirus i'm sure um is that where the all-around thing came from with you guys uh, yeah i would think so i mean i think i mean i think it was just because my dad did every event he just, I mean, we just started out doing it when we were, you know, we started riding Holstein calves and they had breakaway roping at the junior rodeo. So we just started roping and it just seemed like if they had an event, we had to try it. And so if, if we were going to enter, we practiced. So we had, we, when we were kids, we had a Holstein calf shoot. We rode, started riding Holstein calves and we started breakaway roping. Well, we didn't want our calves to run off to the left. So we stuck our, shoot on the left-hand side of the arena well then me and joe hit junior high and we're like hey i think we want to try team roping but then we had to stick in another shoot on the other side of the arena so that we could start learning how to team rope and then you know once we hit high school my brother started steer wrestling and i wanted to steer wrestle and it's always a joke that we're good bull riders but my dad's biggest disappointment was that he couldn't raise a bareback rider he for some <laughs> reason he wanted us to all to ride bareback so bad and he that's he always said, i just didn't and I couldn't raise any kids that were tough enough to be bareback riders. And we all, Joe was the closest. He won, uh, he won state his senior year, made the college finals his freshman year in the bareback riding. And, and then he quit after that. And I, I think I got on 30 horses my junior year. I made the short round at Shawnee, got knocked out in the short round. And I was like, I, 
don't like this bareback riding. That was it? That was the end of the bareback riding career? That was it, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and then my little brother, he rode a few. They had the junior, they'd started doing the junior high steers with him, and he rode the junior high steers, but they never talked him into getting on a horse. Jade is so, the is the least all-around E of the three of you, right? I mean, he pretty well just focuses on bulls. Yeah, he he was very talented at the other events, um, especially the calf roping. He, I, to this day, I still rope calves a bunch. And when Jake was still roping, he would never practice. We'd go enter the rodeo. There was an even when he got out of high school, he hadn't hardly roped in probably two months. We go and enter this rodeo. He said, "Go ahead and enter me." I go out there. I'm nine one. He comes out and runs one in eight six. Hmm. But just no, no passion for it. You know, you had to, his whole life. You always kind of had to twist his arm to get him to go rope. He but the bull riding. He lives and breathes the bull riding and that was even he went to went to college for uh went to he went to panhandle for a year and that was the always i don't think he ever showed up for any of the practices they twisted his arm for everything but come tuesday bull riding practice robert usually had to tell him to quit getting on because he'd get on five to say if there was bulls there that needed buck jake was jake was getting on him he was he was the stock contractor's favorite kid because they could get all the bulls bucked if he was there but he didn't make it to many of the roping practices or steer wrestling. Josh did, did, uh, um, did, does, is there any, I, I, I think I read something somewhere uh, a couple of days ago. I was thinking about what I was going to ask you that, that said that actually the bulldogging and the tie down roping helps you be a better bull rider. And I, I forget where I saw that. Is there any crossover? Is there any help that comes from, the one event to the, or is there, do, are the timed events completely not an asset to you riding bulls? They are simply the thing that makes it possible for you to do the thing that you really want to do, which is win the Linderman award. I no, I think they, I think they help, um, you know, even through the course of developing, developing my bull riding. Um, it's no different than bull riders that have played other sports. You see guys that have only rode bulls. Like, at the end of the day, you don't got to, I mean, you can't be fat to be a bull rider, but if all you've ever done is ride bulls, bull riding doesn't actually teach you a lot of athleticism. Hmm. And yeah. so that's where you see the kid, you know, some of the best bull riders are the ones that have, you know, whether they played football or hockey, wrestled, any other basketball, other sports teaches you athleticism that carries over to your bull riding. And also from the competition aspect, the more the more you can compete, the more you can develop your mental grain, mental game and learn to perform under pressure. And for me, I did wrestle, didn't ever play any other sports, but, you know, roping, steer wrestling, team roping, all those things have developed my bull riding because I've competed in so many events. And then especially from being able to be athletic and control my body, you know, is takes a lot of athleticism to rope calves to steer wrestle and do all those things well and wrestling is i didn't wrestle i played football basketball and baseball a long long time ago long long time ago but wrestling is is a sport that really relies on body position and body control and things like that i'm i'm there are a lot of really good rodeo athletes particularly in the riding events who were wrestlers in high school i think there's a crossover there isn't there Oh yeah. Huge, huge crossover from wrestling for, I mean, just the toughness alone to be a wrestler. I mean, I always have joked that it'd be funny to see if we had to, if we had to weigh in at every rodeo before we got on, if you didn't make weight, you couldn't ride how many guys would actually do it. And 
that's what's great. I mean, they're literally high school. From the time I was in, you know, third grade, I remember not eating dinner so that I could make weight to wrestle. Yeah. That mental toughness and hunger alone carries over to rodeo. And then just the, you know, being the, being a sport where everything's on you, you do have a team with and your team can win. But when you're out there on the mat, it's you against the kid. And that's no different than you against the bareback horse, you against the bull. Yeah. And I think there's a huge crossover there. I want to talk to you about the NFL. One, one, Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. No, I was, oh, I was, I was just going to make one. You had asked me earlier about the steer wrestling on calf roping. And the one note that I think it's helped my bull riding the most when I look at other guys is my injury rehab. You know, I broke both my legs, had knee surgery, wrist surgery, shoulder, broken collarbone, had a lot of injuries. And I feel like I've rehabbed better than a lot of the bull riders because not only am I rehabbing to ride bulls, I also have still wanted to rope calves, hmm. wanted to steer wrestle. And so I felt like I pushed myself harder or even a lot of the times, like with the broken leg, like I didn't get on a bull until I thought I could rope a calf. And so the one year I was roping, you know, I roped calves for two weeks, was flanking in time from the post doing all that, figured that if I was healthy enough to do that, I would be for surely be healthy enough to ride a bull. Whereas a lot of your bull riders, you know, they might get out of their brace, get out of the cast. And they're like, yeah, you're, you know, you're technically cleared and they couldn't run a mile, but they can ride bulls. And it, I feel like increases their chance for injury because they haven't re you know, they haven't rehabbed as much. And in theory, nothing should happen, but one bad fall, you land on it and you're hurt again. And you see that a lot with other bull riders. You were injured pretty severely in Fort Worth in 2022 when that, or 2021, I should say, when that bull stepped on your stomach. When you came back, did you, did you start roping calves before you did anything else, before you tried to get back on a bull? Yeah, that, that's actually kind of a funny story. I said I got, got stepped on my stomach. They took out my spleen, part of my pancreas, and I left the hospital. Well, my pancreas started leaking and so my bad stomach ache, a lot of pain. I had to go back to the ER after like 10 days. Well, all that pancreatic acid got in my stomach. So they had to, they went in through my back and put a drain in me. And so it was draining that fluid until that pan pancreas quit leaking. And the doctor said, what can I do? And he said, if it don't hurt, you can do it. I mean, so when I left the hospital, like I could barely walk, right. had this drain. So over the course, so I start rehab and start walking on the treadmill. Well, the stupid thing kept you know, it, it took it three months to quit draining completely. So I had this drain in my back from February to May. Well, shoot, come April, like I'm running two miles on the treadmill. I'm working out, doing everything. So I'm like, shoot, I'm going to start breakaway roping a little bit. And pretty quick, I'm, and I take that drain and stick it in my pocket. And so pretty quick, I'm roping calves, stepping off the horse with this drain in my back and mm. the deal in my pocket. And finally, I called the doctor and I'm like, hey, like you said, if it don't hurt, I can do this. Like, I'm pretty much doing everything but riding bulls. Like, can I can I ride bulls with this drain in my back? And the doctor's like, okay, you are not a normal person. You need to slow way down. Like, I'm glad you're feeling that good, but it's not okay that you're doing all of this. Oh, that's... And, but that was, you know, part of my rehab was, you know, I started on, you know, just flanking and tying down the post a little bit pretty quick and that was that was what was cool about that whole deal is they yanked the drain out of my back and the next day i was getting on practice bulls hmm. wow so. um yeah I, i've always thought if i was a doctor and i had to take care of rodeo athletes if i knew that the rehab time on some injury was two months i'd tell you guys it was five 
assuming <laughs> that you'd come back in two and a half. I mean, that's that's kind of the way rodeo athletes are. You guys are you guys are are. I worry sometimes that y'all are too tough for your own good. Just speaking as a rodeo announcer, it's it's been a it's been fun to watch so many of you, and and that's the only thing that worries me sometimes is guys are just so tough. Y'all come back from injury so so quick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you know, except in most, which some guys aren't as good at listening to the doctor as others. Yeah. Um, my dad always really preached to me, you know, do what the doctor says. And so they also got to be careful because if they said, if it don't hurt, you can do it. Well, pretty quick, it didn't hurt. So I was doing it. And that yeah. didn't necessarily mean I could, I mean, by what he said, I probably could have been riding bulls, but the it's <laughs> dang sure a different breed, I would say on what we think we can do or try to do yeah um josh let me ask you about the national finals rodeo coming up stetson's got what in past years you would think would be a pretty hard lead to overcome three hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars. kai's in the number two spot he's won about two hundred and fifty-four thousand. you're third you've got two hundred thirty-two thousand. i say in past years because in past years a go-round hasn't paid thirty thousand dollars um there is a lot of money to be won at this year's National Finals Rodeo. And like I said earlier, I think a real interesting field of bull riders. Have you thought much about that? I mean, you can't play defense in rodeo. All you can do is ride your bulls and see how many you can get covered. What do you what are you thinking as you get ready for the NFR? Are you there? There you are. Oh yeah, I lost you just for a minute. I can edit that. Did you hear the okay. question, Josh? Yep, yep. You said lot money to be one yeah stetson stetson's got a lead kai's got a lead yeah yeah so so um yeah a lot of lot of go ahead go ahead oh yeah yeah a lot a lot of money to be one but then that's i guess what's cool about it you know even with the even with the hundred and thirty thousand, anything can happen in vegas i mean we've we seen it last year when tristan hutchins was the only guy to stay on in the 10th round and one ninety thousand right there like it's uh, dang sure I'm dang sure going to have to ride as good as I've ever rode. Um, cause I know Stet, like said, you know, you got everybody seen the match last year. It seemed like I'd, I'd bear down and make the whistle and Stetson bear, bear down and make the whistle. And I feel like we both really feed off of each other. And, um, the one thing that's going to help, I think this year compared, you know, Stetson had a bit of a lead on me last year and, um, not that the other guys didn't ride it, ride good, but, there wasn't a lot of, there was no separation in the average because me and Stetson rode so much better than everybody, you know, at the finals for the most part, me and Stetson were, you know, in the lead from the get go. And it's going to be, dang sure going to have to do my job, but with Kai riding good, Sage coming in there, Sage always rides good at the finals. Yeah. Some of the young guys, like, I think, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see four guys ride more than five bulls this year, which that separation in the average can, help somebody in my situation if if Stetson does stub his toe there's going to be two other guys right there moving up in the average whereas you know last year me and him was first and second to where that you know 15,000 spread from first to second in the average makes it hard to make up a bunch of ground but if bucking off one bull moves you from first to fifth all of a sudden that's another 50,000 for the guy that moved into number one compared to fifth place yeah you and Stetson really you guys were having a, a punch counterpunch match last year 
the entire National Finals Rodeo. It was really, it was fun to watch from a fan standpoint. It must have been stressful on you guys, but it was sure fun to watch. No, it was dang sure. Dang sure got into the swing swing of things. Um, and it just, just, just kept rolling uh, from the, literally from the first round. And that's what it felt like. I, it seemed like I would, they said, man, I wish they'd maybe buck him first once because every time I ride, I think it just fires him up more to, for him to bear down and make the whistle. Yeah. And, um, let me ask you about some of the other guys. There are three first timers, Hayes Waite, um, who I am, I, I became a Hayes Waite fan a long time ago because he is, he seems like he's just such a nice guy. I mean, he really is a, just a, uh, a, a man of pretty significant faith and, and I, I really just like him as a person. Uh, Hayes, T. Parker, who probably, well, he will be the Resist All Rookie of the Year, and Cullen Telford from Florida. Have you talked to any of those guys? Have you talked to Hayes? What'd you tell them? What would you tell them if they asked you, what do I expect? I haven't specifically talked to him, talked to him yet. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see Hayes this weekend. Um, he, I know he, he got his jaw I tried to get him to come get on for me at a bull. We had they had a bull team a couple of weeks ago, and but they they just unwired his jaw, and the doctor didn't want to get one getting on any more bulls. But uh, super excited for Hayes. You know, I'm yeah, known, Hayes Hayes rode the been last around him since I think Hayes rode the last month of the season with, ahead. with a wired up jaw, right? Yeah, that was that was when I I already respected him, thought he was a good bull rider, but it's I always say you know anybody can get on bulls hurt. But it takes real mental toughness to get on bulls and ride bulls when you're injured. And that's what I thought was so cool about Hayes was he was riding good before he broke his jaw. And when he came back, it didn't slow him down at all. And so I said, and rode some buckers and even with the wire jaw bulls that I think a lot of guys would have jumped off of because they were trying to pull him down. You want to talk about no backup in him, just bow up and bear down and, and, and then even with the jaw wired shut, like once he had the finals made, he, he finished the season strong and that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, Sage, uh, Sage Kimsey has never left Las Vegas without a gold buckle. He comes in this year in the number 10 spot. Of course, you know, he had the, the collarbone injury and he got started late coming back from the shoulder surgery. He, he really only competed at 25 rodeos. And then the last 15 were just the hang on the gate thing so he could get his count in so the extreme bulls money would count. Um, and he's still got $145,000, $150,000 one. I don't know what to expect from Sage, but we all know what a great competitor Sage is. And um, I, I, one of the most interesting stories at this year's NFR is going to be what Sage is able to get done over 10 rounds, I think. Oh, I... I think I know one of the deals, one of the goals he's never accomplished is riding 10 bulls at the NFR, which he's probably going to about have to do that to win another gold buckle. Yeah. But I know, you know, in the past, he's always went in with that gold buckle in sight and he's, he could ride all 10 bulls and not win a gold buckle this year with the lead that Stetson has on him. Even me, Kai and Stetson at a hundred thousand over him, as long as we, ride a couple bulls it's going to make it hard to pass so i think his motivation is going to be that average end going in there and finally getting the 10 bulls road at the nfr which like i said he anything can happen with the gold buckle race but 
I'll, I'll the conversations I've had with him and I, I know that's going to be his motivation and what I, I would look, look out for him to be pretty, pretty outstanding because yeah. he's, that's one thing he's never done before. And there's only three guys in the history that have ever done it. So it'd be, you put your name on that list. It's going to be legendary. I didn't look up how long it's been since Cody Teal went to the national finals rodeo, 2016, something like that, 2012 world champion and his first NFR back in, in, several years and you got to believe Cody's a threat to win a bunch of go round money too, don't you? Oh yeah. He's, uh, he's just the, just, I don't know the word to say, but slow and steady wins the race. And that was him this year. You know, he'd been, been at the PBR for a couple of years and he had to, he had to work harder this winter cause he didn't have any qualifications. He was going to the $1,500 added rodeos, getting the money one. And, and, and then that was him all summer. He, he just, kept chugging away at it and you can they don't matter what the bull is you can never count cody till out because he bears down puts out the effort and like i said just con- consistently kept winning money all year finished the season strong and um said he he's i think he's i think he's maybe won the average twice in vegas yeah, and so he yes. he rides really good in vegas too yeah so okay so i i i want to i want to wrap this up and let you get back to your family and i really appreciate your time josh did you win some kind of an award as breakaway roping calf pusher of the year this year? Because I remember you told Amy Wilson or, or Katie Lucas, somebody on the Cowboy Channel, you know, you part of in addition to everything else you're doing, now you're going to rodeos with your wife Erica, your sister Jacelyn, and they're both in the breakaway roping, and you're the guy pushing their calves on top of everything else that they do. You were joking about, I think I need the calf pusher of the year award. My wife kind of threw me under the bus when I was hyping for it. They'd interviewed her somewhere and she, she gets mad because half the time I'm in there pushing the calf and more often than not, the gate man is a shoot boss or somebody I know. So I'll be in there pushing there. There's, it wasn't at any pro rodeos, but the, the one summer at a couple of the amateurs, the, the gate man missed his, missed her nod because he was talking to me while I was in there pushing the calf. And so <laughs> she, she, she gave me a hard time about that in her interview. And I'm like, what the heck, babe? I've been pushing, showing up, pushing you and all your friends as calves going for joking around about this calf pusher of the year and you have to tell me that you don't that i talk to the gate man too much but you're a huge fan of breakaway oh i was just gonna say i'm a huge yeah huge fan of breakaway and so i think it's so cool that girls are getting an opportunity you know fan of the mail racing too but it's cool to see all these girls that you know once they got past college there was nothing for them that were really great ropers and so i love it now that there's actually opportunity for you know starting to make good enough money they can go up and make a living and um it's been been fun to see and so i said if i'm there i've dang sure been at a few of the slacks where i probably pushed anywhere from 20 to 30 head of calves because wow. there's <laughs> that a lot of the places that the girls don't get a lot of help and so i try to help them out yeah um how much what i was going to ask is is you, know, you and eric have only been married for what two three years now um this is an opportunity for you guys to travel together and I don't know how much you were able to travel together. I remember, where was it? Blackfoot, Idaho. We got done with the rodeo, and you and Sage and Kai, I think, were, or maybe even Stetson, were headed off to go someplace, and Erica was headed off someplace else. But did you guys get to travel together much? And, and, and is that part of the reward of having that, that new opportunity with the breakaway? It, it It is in the future. Unfortunately, this year we didn't. Um, Part of it too is we're getting all the rodeos don't have breakaway yet, and so I actually I actually entered I plant or helped her you know she's 
was first year entering full time and she was entering herself. And so I planned her schedule and it was a whole new learning experience for me because, you know, especially over the 4th of July, like all the rodeos I normally go to didn't have breakaway. And so I was having to read through all the breakaway approvals and make the plan. And Hmm. like I said, we did line up a few times, but with, with my bull, especially with me doing the PBR teams and, PB the velocities this winter and all the things that kind of kind of made it to where I had a very set days I could go and so we didn't actually get a hop in together very much but in the future I think we're going to get to and it's going to be a lot of fun so Josh I kept you a lot longer than I asked you for and I really appreciate your time and your patience and and thank you for joining us December 17th rolls around the national finals rodeo has come to an end um is there is there a, a something in your mind that you say okay this is this is what it's going to take for me to be successful. I know you want to be a gold buckle winner. Uh, you ride good enough. You should be a gold buckle winner. There's a lot of there's a there are a lot of good bull riders in that field this year. What what are you going to look back on and say? Okay, yeah, this was a good year. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I can already look back and say it's a good year. I I I'm pretty good about. You know, they always say this kind of the the old saying that, you know, you think the gold buckle's the goal, but it's really the journey that's the funnest part. And I've done a really good job about falling in love with the process and the journey and, you know, learning from everything. And I feel like that's why the last couple of years, I feel like I've continually continued to improve. And so I know I know where I struggled this year. I know what I need to do better. I know what I've done at the last couple of NFRs. And so I'm already already training for that. And I mean, I kind of live my life to where when I get done riding bulls, I want to look back and not have any regrets. And so that's the one one thing I do pretty good at is, you know, putting out 100% effort and come December 17th, best case scenario, I got a gold buckle. And if I don't, we're going to turn around and go right back at it and try it again. But there's not going to, you know, dang sure not going to look back and think, man, I wish I would have worked harder because for the time being, I don't know what else I could do. So, yeah. Good point. Josh, I, I'm a big fan. I'm proud to call you a friend. Um, I wish you a lot of great health, and I wish you a lot of success over the next month um, at the Wilderness Circuit Finals Rodeo and at the uh, Wrangler National Finals Rodeo when it starts on December the 7th. Let me ask you one final question. I was going to ask this earlier, and I forgot to. Um, if you look at the world standings in the bull riding, the top 20 guys, number 20, J.B. Mooney, who retired in the middle of the year, won $95,000. Numbers 19 through number one all won over $100,000. Number one could win between the bareback or between the saddle bronc riding and the bull riding this year, a million dollars in one year. Stetson, it is very possible. Um, and I guess my question is, am I right in getting excited for all of you guys at Rodeo for a Living? that here comes, you know, that, that that kind of money is out there and available for you now? Oh, it, it's unreal from, you know, I wouldn't say I'm one of the older guys, mid-age, but from 2014, 2015 was my rookie year to now within eight years, it's, I'd made it a goal this year, especially this winter to not, I didn't compete in any, I didn't enter anything that had less than 10,000 added. And I think I went to, I entered 78 rodeos this year. And I think 70 of them had more than 10,000 added in the bull riding. And that's, I mean, unreal. The, you know, the purse increases at all these rodeos, the sponsors that have came in. I mean, we were all talking, 
you know, early every year, the conversation is how much is it going to take to make the finals? And um, I, I remember talking to Justin. I think Justin Woodward had won a, had a hundred and five thousand one after Calgary, and he'd hurt his hand was hurt. Right. And I, we were all like, "Oh yeah, you're you're in for sure." You know, maybe maybe go win another five thousand. But like, every, that was kind of everybody's like, "Oh, it'll take one ten And I don't remember what the number was. It, it ended up being what it was, one twenty six, maybe. Yeah, hundred twenty six thousand. Um, Justin ended up in the yeah. top twenty, but outside the top fifteen. And he had a great rookie year. He, I mean, he wins over $100,000. He's 19 years old. You can't ask for much more than that, I don't think, uh, other than I know he would have liked to have gone to the NFR, obviously. Oh, yeah. No, and it was – that was, I think, what was cool to see that, you know, with the money being better everywhere, in the past, come, you know, come August, September, you see a lot of guys that quit entering and that, you know, there'll be the same the top 15 and maybe one or two that keep going going. But this year you've seen, you know, even those guys in the, you know, I don't know what 30th was, but they'd won enough money that they still had money in the bank that they were, and the road deals were still paying good. So they were still going out making a living. And so it's, that's why you see 20 guys with a hundred thousand one, because they all want enough money to stay on the road. And so that kept the NFR hope open. And at the end of the day, every, you know, everybody that's riding bulls out here in the PRCA, we ride bulls for a living. And so if they're still going, means they're making enough money to you know pay their bills support their family and stay out there and keep winning and so it's cool to see that you know more guys were finishing the season and not having to go work a different job because they had a rough year yeah um and you know this it's cool that if if the rough the rough year was them winning sixty thousand, yeah and they got to keep going whereas in the past the the rough year was thirty thousand and they were broke yeah Yep, makes sense. You know, this has inspired 20 more questions, but I'm not going to make you sit here and listen to me ask you that many questions, Josh. Um, the good thing for you, you live in Utah. In Utah, it's pretty hard to not go to a rodeo that adds over $10,000 in the bull riding, right? Yeah, it's crazy, crazy in our circuit. I think uh, there's three of us that have won over 50000 and five of us that have won over 40,000 just in the circuit. And then fifth and sixth place, I think is over 20,000. Wow. So it's like I said, we got a very cool circuit. Texas is a great rodeo state. I'm, I think you can make a case for Utah, Utah, Texas got to be one, two or two, one. I don't know. One or one. A. I don't, the, the Utah is a great rodeo state. I know that much. Um, and it produces great cowboys, and you're one of them, Josh, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good luck at the Wilderness Circuit Finals. Stay healthy. We'll see you in Las Vegas, if not before. Thanks, Steve. It was great visiting with you. That's Bull Rider and Linderman Award winner Josh Frost joining us on the Steve Kenyon Podcast. Today's show has been sponsored by Wrangler, the official Western Wear Pro Rodeo. Long live Cowboys. Thank you to the Justin Boot Company, the standard of the West since 1879. To resist all, we wear it every day to Preford, number one in ranch and rodeo. M2 Ranch Jerky coming soon to a store near you. The Grandview at Las Vegas, dailymanagementresorts.com, and to Unbeatable Feeds. Come check out the booth at Cowboy Christmas. We'll be there doing a lot of interviews with some of the best ropers and riders in the country during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Don't forget to check out the Legends of the Hall podcast this week. Four-time world champion, Hall of Famer Christy Peterson, and her world champion daughter, Jordan Briggs. Next week, Ty Murray will be our guest. Thank you for joining us for the Steve Kenyon Podcast.